Hi, this is Libby. And this is Roberta. And you're on Art Blog Radio. Today we're talking with Michael Conrad. Um, Michael is a Fleischer Challenge artist who shows up right now, that would be February, at the Fleischer Art Memorial. His work is a, a combination of sculpture and performance and site-specific installations. He's shown his work at Art in General in New York and was featured in Beautiful Decay Magazine and in FlavorPill.com. So how come you came to be in Philadelphia? Well, um, I had been living in New York for 12 years. I loved it. I still do. It was time for a change, though. I was you know, working full-time and just found managing time and studio space and the rent for my apartment. You know, in Philadelphia now, I have uh, my studio at home, so that's a change. I'm also doing freelance work and temporary work, so I have more time. So it, that was a big reason. I was going to ask about, um, about this structure on the wall here. Is that a row house? Is that a bay window? Um, it's just sort of an architectural shape that kind of references both of those things. Um, my intention was ju really just to have something that referenced architecture. So you've wrapped this little um, bay window structure, since people can't see this, with a pretend Tyvek home wrap. It's not really a Tyvek home wrap. It's made out of um, those, those narrow plastic bags that uh, circulars and newspapers get delivered to your doorstep in. And basically, I just collected tons of those and heat-fused them together into big sheets of plastic, um, cut out the letters for Tyvek and the DuPont logo out of blue and red plastic bags, and um, heat-fused it all together. So it's 100% heat-fused plastic. There's no sewing in it. It's... That's and what's your heat fusion tool? Two pieces of paper and a hot iron. Oh, a hot and, iron. And the, the plastic goes in between the two sheets of paper, and I just heat it. Uh, different plastic bags need different amount of heat and different amount of time with the heat. So, so you're becoming an expert of plastic bag technology. There's the waxy plastic bags, and then there's the, uh, the circular bags, which fuse very quickly since they're such a thin, light plastic. They're actually my favorite to use. Then there's a whole range of plastic bags from various grocery stores, and uh, Home Depot is a favorite of mine because they have those brown bags. Shop I right. know those I, I get, brown bags. Well, just the the brown bags that I used in the um, the underside of my sleeping bag, and the in substitution of the red stripes on the American flag. So that sleeping bag is um, is sewn. Yes. Did you used to know how to sew, or is this something new? Um. This is new. I learned how to how to sew. I made the sleeping bag uh, in 2010. Have you ever slept in your sleeping bag? Um, I've tried it on. It works. It's very hot. <laughs> I have not. I've, never, huh? I've not spent the night out in it. That's something I may do. I, when I made it, that was actually the original intention. I was going to use it as a performance. Um, I never really figured out the details of what that performance would be, so it kind of just sat around my studio for a while. I'd get in it every now and then and try to think. <laughs> try to think about Meditate? what I was... Yeah, try to think, what am I going to do with this thing? And then you end up sweating and get out. But um, after a while, it started to seem like it maybe wasn't that necessary to really actually camp out in it. I've been rethinking that, and maybe I will do something in the future. I don't know. Well, the way you have it set up here, we should describe this, it's on some pallets, which I assume you scavenged. Yes. Wood pallets. 
and then there's some foam core under or foam under egg crate the, foam. egg crate foam mm -hmm. and then on top of it is the sleeping bag which has a zipper on the side and a hood and the zipper is open there's something funereal about the whole installation I, I'm thinking King Tut and I'm thinking <laughs> just dead homeless person well you know the the sleeping bag shape is called the mummy sleeping bag it's a common sleeping bag so that's I mean, that's interesting that you mentioned that. But I was really just thinking about um, if somebody had spent the night there and then got up to take care of whatever business they had for the day. Like when I go camping, for instance, I'll just leave my sleeping bag unfurled and unzipped and I'll come back to it at night. So that's, you know, it's, it's just not being used right now is really what I was thinking about. So. Well, but you've, you've obviously thought a lot about cities and urban decay well it's just i just see you know it's just something that you see in every city and I, you know not to kind of dwell on it in a way where it becomes such a negative thing but just it's it's the environment and it's the landscape and i'm always i've always just been attracted to um the way things are made and the the surface of things as well and um I don't, I don't know why, I don't know how to explain it, but it's always just been various things in the urban environment, signs, like maybe stickers and graffiti people put on signs and doors and windows, or just the way paint peels off of things, and that's all very, just all seems relevant to describe your environment. So as I'm listening to you talk, I, I hear you talking more about repurposing and reusing things. But I get this incredible sense looking at the work of um, of urban decay, and um, I, sort of a Mad Max kind of environment. And I'm wondering: is am I wrong, or am I missing something? Or no, I, I just kind of tend to think everything is is coming to an end. <laughs> everything is kind of falling apart. Just to keep whatever structure we have for our cities operating, roads, all this sort of stuff requires a lot of investment and continual investment. And every civilization that has existed has also stopped existing and things have fallen apart. So I kind of feel like to a certain degree it's inevitable. And I'm sort of thinking about that in-between zone where like one era of man or humankind ends and another one starts to be, starts to emerge. But it's always that really rough spot when things are on that in-between zone, I think. I think the plastic bags last forever. <laughs> <laughs> Surely in the landfills they will. You know, I see that you have this clothesline with um, a pair of sneakers hanging from yes. them. And I associate that with Philadelphia. And is it possible that you are already such a Philadelphian that you know about this? Well, I think it's... I think it's even more broadly just an urban thing but I do feel like this show in particular is is sort of Philadelphian um, in a way. Uh, I, I have this American flag that I made out of recycled plastic bags. Philadelphia is such an American city to me. That's one of the first things I really noticed when I live here and a lot of people... More uh, so than New York. Yeah, New York is... I, I kind of imagine it as an international city. That's not to say that Philadelphia doesn't have its international communities, but there's just something very American to me about Philadelphia. 
all these old row houses and people put out a lot of, you know, you see a lot more American flags here. You know, in New York, they tear things down and build new buildings. <laughs> yeah, they're too cool for it's so much about the, It's so much about the future and what new thing is. And I think there's this sense of um, preserving stuff in Philly. It seems like there's some narrative thread going on here. If you walked into this room in Fleischer and didn't know anything about this artwork or this artist, you might almost think that these are clues mm -hmm. to some mystery that you're supposed to be able to figure out. There's a place where someone might have been sleeping. There's this crazy bent sign with the gravel on it. There's a house and there's the... You know, there's so many things that you understand in your life mm -hmm. because you walk around and see all this and you want to put it together. Your suspicion of some sort of narrative, I think, is pretty accurate. I kind of create story segments or scenes of something that might happen to kind of give me the impetus to make a sculpture. Uh, it's, I don't necessarily feel like it's an important part of the finished work or something that needs to be explained because then it become, because then I start making it as a sculpture and it becomes a physical object that has its own place and meaning. But it, it gets me started. Right, yeah, I, I should say it's ambiguous what the narrative is. I mean, it's, I don't want to say that there's a, a narrative thread running through all this that you can piece together. But yeah. the natural human thing is to try to see a story. And some of that ambiguousness is probably because I'd never really develop a full narrative. I have a, a beginning idea of something that might happen, a guy sleeping in a sleeping bag. And I might think of things that he, he might do in this environment as I'm installing it, but I might think of it a whole different way the next time I install it somewhere else. So the story is never really fleshed out fully in my mind, so that probably lends itself to the ambiguity. Okay, so we've been talking to um, Michael Conrad. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you for talking with me. It was my pleasure. Art Blog Radio is brought to you by theartblog.org. Thanks to our sponsors, including the Knight Foundation. Also, we want to thank Peter Crimmins, who makes us sound good. He's our editor. And thanks to Eric Biondo for his music. You can download these podcasts at theartblog.org slash radio.